0: Mental health is a hot topic these days, as it should be. According to the World Health Organization, anxiety disorders are the most common mental disorder with approximately 4% of the world's population affected. And stress is right there on its heels. According to the American Institute of Stress, around 35% of the US population is feeling stressed. I get it. But what many people don't get is that stress and anxiety are not the same thing they're frequently lumped together, which impacts your ability to deal with them. It's like applying a Band-Aid to every ouch, except some ouches are a skin knee and some are a broken heart. They need very different approaches. Hey everyone, I'm Laverne McKinnon and welcome to the Moonshot Mentor Podcast. I'm a certified career coach and grief recovery specialist. I love to help ambitious driven people feel confident, empowered, and excited after experiencing a career setback. Whether it's from feeling stuck in a tough period or frustration from slow progress, I offer up tools and resources to revamp your path to career success. In this week's podcast, I take a deep dive into the distinctions between stress and anxiety, and share coping mechanisms that have helped me. So lately I've been feeling super overwhelmed with life stuff, work stuff, relationship, relationship stuff. It feels like it's never ending and it's all like really stressful and anxiety provoking. I thought I was doing all the right things to manage and cope, but I was still waking up at midnight or 3am, not able to go back to sleep. My appetite was off. Brain fog was off the charts and I was making a lot of scheduling mistakes. In talking to my therapist and doing a bunch of research, I learned that I was conflating stress and anxiety. Turns out there are actually important distinctions between the two. My ignorance was affecting my ability to manage and cope. So in a nutshell, stress typically stems from external factors like deadlines or significant life changes, which impact our thoughts. Anxiety often accompanies stress. It hangs out long after the project is completed or the stressor has gone away. Anxiety persists internally, manifesting in constant worry and unease. Like imagine stress as a sudden downpour. It's pelting you at deadlines and demands. It's intense and immediate, but eventually it subsides. Anxiety, on the other hand, is like a lingering fog. It obscures your clarity of thought and it weighs heavily on your mind even after the storm has passed. The distinction between stress and anxiety is crucial for developing effective coping mechanisms. While stress can be managed with practical strategies like time management, prioritization, and exercise, anxiety can require a deeper understanding and a more nuanced approach. Let's first take a look at stress. Stress primarily originates from external factors that exert pressure on us and the thoughts that get triggered. So these factors can include deadlines, significant life changes such as moving or starting a new job, unforeseen events like illness or loss, situations where we feel a lack of control, experiences of discrimination or bias. Even positive changes like welcoming a new baby can induce stress due to the adjustments they require. The effects of stress are not limited to our mental state. They can also manifest physically. So physical symptoms might include tired or sore eyes, muscle aches, fatigue, digestive issues, including heartburn or indigestion, sleep disturbances like insomnia, difficulty concentrating, also known as brain fog, headaches, migraines, breathing challenges, panic attacks, it's not atypical for the body to react in pain from seemingly innocuous actions like bending to pick up a crayon for your kid and having your back seize up. For some people, stress actually serves as a catalyst for action. For others, like stress can trigger a paralyzing response and it causes them to freeze or retreat. On the flip side, anxiety is characterized by worrying that just will not go away even after the external stressors have dissipated. And It's this ongoing apprehension that can lead to a variety of physical symptoms such as nausea, lightheadedness or dizziness, restlessness, uh, faster breathing, insomnia, difficulty focusing on a task at hand, difficulty breathing, fatigue, overindulgence in food or alcohol, panic attacks. Again, this is not a comprehensive list and there's overlap with the physical symptoms of stress. The key understanding here is that anxiety is an internal struggle that permeates our entire being. It affects our bodies, our emotions, and our mind. Emotionally, anxiety often manifests as irritability and a reduced tolerance for stressors. It can cause people to feel on edge and easily agitated. Mentally, anxiety impairs our ability to focus and think clearly. It leaves us feeling sort of like disoriented um, and confused and we're also unable to process information effectively. For many of my clients, anxiety is like a suffocating blanket. It clings to them, hijacking their daily routines, and they find themselves consumed by worry at all hours of the day and night. This constant state of preoccupation robs them of their ability to stay present and engaged, and it leaves them feeling disconnected and overwhelmed. I relate. So let me bring this alive by sharing a short story. I'm under deadline to deliver a big project and it's going really well. It's a lot of work, but I've created a system and a timeline and I'm so confident that I'm going to make the date. Then I get an email telling me the deadline has been pulled up by one week. I feel my heart speed up, my breath goes shallow, my jaw tenses, and I do this weird thing where I open and close my hands while wiggling my fingers. My stress has spiked. Normally, I would ignore my body and buckle down to do the work, but I want to figure out what to do with the stress, right? So with new knowledge and some experience, I'm learning to activate these three coping mechanisms. Now, I want you to know that there are a lot of options out there. These are ones that work really well for me. The first is work smarter, not harder. As a recovering perfectionist who values excellence, I have a tendency to over-deliver and drown myself in unnecessary tasks. So working harder and smarter, I review my to-do list and I get real about what truly needs to happen to deliver an excellent product. Next, I really have to identify what I'm doing well and access gratitude. This is also a tool that helps me battle the gremlins that naturally show up when my confidence wanes. So I acknowledge that I'm in constant communication with the client. I've asked relevant and clarifying questions and I've revised the scope of the work. I'm grateful that I have the creative intelligence to tackle the new challenge and a family that will pick up the slack in the short term and that I work from home where I can concentrate better. The third tool is to accept what I can't change. I sorta hate and love this. I can't change the request for deadline changes but I can change how I respond to the request. And then just as a little bonus tool, I love an affirmation. And so the one that I use now is that pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. It's it's not one that I've created. Um, Haruki Marukami created that one or wrote that one. Suffering comes from expectations. In this situation, I had an expectation that once deliverables were agreed upon and the contract was signed, nothing would change. When the request came in, it was an ouch moment. However, I don't need to suffer by expecting that changes will never happen when an agreement has been reached. So each of these mechanisms help me to regulate my nervous system by assessing without judgment. So as a result, I can create choices and look at them with discernment instead of immediately jumping into action. With these tools, I see that I have the following choices. I can take a closer look at my timeline to see if there's any wiggle room and what, would need to, what I'd need to say no to in order to meet the new deadline. I could push back and say I'm not available to meet the new deadline. I can ask for additional resources to complete the job with the new deadline. Now, with these options identified, I can check which of them feels most aligned with my values as opposed to listening to my people pleaser and perfectionist gremlin. I choose to ask for additional resources to complete the new job with the new deadline because it honors my values of curiosity and courage. I also value collaboration. And if I'm honest with myself and with you, I also want the client to be pleased. So flash forward, the conversation goes great and I receive the additional resources requested. However, I can't stop thinking about what I might be missing, what might be falling through the cracks and how the quality of the project might be affected, why they even asked to pull up the deadline. I start to make up stories about delivering a not great product and how that will affect my reputation. Ugh! My sleep goes south. I'm grumpy with my family. I'm short-tempered with team members. I start to make stupid mistakes like forgetting about a Zoom meeting or to send a follow-up email. I find my ideas are uninspired and my excitement for my job is waning. I want to just sleep all the time. I have trouble getting out of bed and I can't stop ruminating. The thoughts are just spiraling, spiraling, and spiraling. This is anxiety and it's a beast. So what to do with this? Like stress, coping mechanisms, there are a lot of tools to help combat anxiety. Now, again, here are the ones that help me the most. There are a lot of other choices out there. I marry notice naming and journaling with a 54321 anxiety tool. So I write about what's happening in my body. I write out the thoughts that are running through my head. I write out that I'm experiencing anxiety. And then I write down five things I see four things I feel, like, like literally feel, three things I can hear, two things I can smell, and one thing that I can taste. This is a grounding tool to get me to like, play, like, get to here and now and get out of the future. It forces me to refocus. And from this place of grounding, I can then take the next, these next action steps that I'm going to tell you about to quell my anxiety so the next action step is data over drama and this is a slogan that my business coach dallas travers taught me i look for the data to support any claims my anxiety is making is there hard information to show that the client really hates me which is like one of the things that i'm ruminating about now if the data is there then i write out how to course correct if there is no data to support the claim i write out a statement that's sort of like a a affirmation or, or like a manifesto I release the fantasy that everyone hates me for sending the email late. See, for me, I have to write things down in order to make it visceral, to literally take it out of my head so it can be released. And then the next step is to assess what happened and write out the narrative. It might look something like this. And and I wanna encourage you when you're writing to just let it flow, don't try to like edit. So for me, the deadline got pulled up. I made a choice to ask for additional resources, which I received. However, my perfectionist gremlin popped up and wondered if I had asked for the proper resources and wanted to know what I would do if I couldn't deliver excellence under the new timetable. The gremlin hijacked my brain, and I know that the goal of the gremlin is to stop me from honoring my values, living my purpose, and meeting my potential. The potential that I'm being pulled away from is having this deliverable tee up a long-term commitment from the client. So I'm choosing to honor my value of process over perfection. That's what it looks like in my journal. And then my final step is that I create an affirmation or an image to focus on when those anxious thoughts pop up. So one of my favorite affirmations that I use is, I am not for everyone. By acknowledging and naming my feelings, grounding myself in the present moment, and challenging the validity of my anxious thoughts... I can begin to regain a sense of control. Each step forward is hard earned and sometimes they feel like a very small victory. Anxiety is a formidable foe, but I'm a fighter. I believe you're probably a fighter because you're either uh, listening or watching this. And it's also important to acknowledge that occasionally we need to take time to lick our wounds. So bottom line, navigating the intricacies of stress and anxiety It's a journey that requires both self-awareness and proactive coping strategies. While stress may stem from external pressures and deadlines, anxiety can linger long after the storm has passed. It affects our minds, our hearts, and bodies. By understanding the distinctions between the two and using techniques such as grounding exercises and challenging anxious thoughts, we can regain control of our mental and emotional well-being. Remember, you're not alone in this journey, and seeking support from friends, family, or mental health professionals can provide invaluable guidance along the way. I hope that you take what you're listening to and proactively identify your coping tools. This way, you'll be prepared the next time you become overwhelmed by stress or gripped by anxiety. So that's it for today. Head over to Moonshot Mentor on substack.com for journal questions to help you redefine your relationship with stress and anxiety. I'd love to hear what you're coming up with and what you're discovering. And I really wanna thank Lin Chen for her video and audio editing. You can find her on social at Ms. Lin Chen. And if you have enjoyed what you've heard or watched, please do subscribe. It will help me reach my moonshot of 5,000 subscribers. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day or night or week, and I will see you next week.